Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Sunday, October the 2nd, 2022. And yesterday, the Kentucky Wildcats dropped a 22-19 decision to the Ole Miss Rebels down in Oxford. A frustrating loss for Kentucky as the Cats dropped to 4-1 and on the season. They're now 1-1 in the SEC. Ole Miss improved to 5-0. and uh, the Rebels are now 1-0 and in the league play. Kentucky dropped from 7th to 13th in the AP poll, which came out earlier this afternoon. Ole Miss moved up from 14th to 9th in the AP poll. Just a frustrating afternoon for Kentucky. Just too many mistakes, um, especially special teams mistake. They missed a 39-yard field goal. They had an extra point block. Another extra point uh, attempt was a botch snap. Uh, they took a safety on an intentional grounding in their own end zone. Uh, you know, just too many. They had a bad, uh, bad penalty that wiped out a touchdown late in the game. It would have been a go-ahead for touchdown for Kentucky. Just too many mistakes for Mark Stoops Wildcats against a quality team, you know, like Ole Miss. To talk about it, I talked with my friend and colleague Mark Story, the fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Uh, we talked about the defense. We talked about the offense. We talked about Will Levis's up and down day. We looked ahead to next week or this Saturday against South Carolina. We also talked about a story that Mark did this week on former UK quarterback Bo Allen. Before I get to my conversation with Mark, I want to remind you that you can go to Kentucky.com, hit on the subscription tab, check out all the offers for subscriptions to Kentucky.com and the print edition of the Herald Leader. We really appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. I appreciate everybody who supports the podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. I want to thank everybody who leaves a rating and review. That just helps more people find the podcast as well. One more reminder, you can interact with me on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. And let's get right to it. My interview with Mark Story as we review Kentucky football's loss at Ole Miss. Okay, my guest on the podcast is Mark Story, my friend and colleague, and also sports columnist at the Kentucky.com, at Kentucky.com and Lexington Arrow Leader. How, how's it going, Mark? It's going good, John. Uh, okay, Kentucky 22-19 loss at Ole Miss on yesterday. What, what was your overall takeaway from the game? Well, it was obviously a, just a kind of a brutal loss, a rugged loss, you know, a lot of self-inflicted wounds got in the way of Kentucky in a game that I think it really should have won. Now, I do think, you know, I thought Kentucky's fight, you know, it reminded me of the Missouri game in 2018 when they just, you know, sort of refused to lose and, you know, were able to steal that game at the end. And it reminded me a little bit of the the um, Citrus Bowl last year against Iowa when they sort of did the same thing. They just hung around and then were able to steal it at the end. And it looked to me like that was what was going to happen yesterday. And then obviously the, the two late turnovers, the two fumbles, you know, were killers. And they, the fact that they were in the position of trailing anyway, I think a lot can be attributed to kind of place-kicking follies, not all on the kicker, but on the place-kicking team in the first half. And, you know, just – they basically knocked themselves out of five points with place kicking mistakes, and then you know gave or gave Ole Miss two on a safety, and you know it was a three point game. Right. Uh, let, let's yeah, of course everybody talks about the offense. Let, let's start with the defense. Uh, Ole Miss off to a fast start. Uh, I think they punted on their first possession, but then scored on their second and third possession. 
how much of that. And then after that, Kentucky played really well. They only gave up two field goals, uh, had a big fourth down stop. Uh, Derek Jackson broke up a pass in the end zone. And then at the uh, drive after that, they got a three and out when they needed to get a three and out. But again, it's kind of a slow start to the defense digging that 14 nothing hole. How much do you think that Ole Miss's tempo had to do with that? We saw the same kind of problem last year against Tennessee in their high-tempo offense. Do you think this was the same, or was this something different? I think it was a factor. I mean, I think it's it's hard to simulate that, that just that tempo in, in practices, I would surmise. So I would guess that it took some time to adjust. To, to me, the frustrating thing about the defensive effort was how many third and longs they gave yeah, up. Yeah, Brad White, <laughs> Brad White echoed that after the game. That was the thing that he talked about that he they was really frustrated by. And you know, you know, it, it's hard to know. You know, Ole Miss doesn't give up a lot of sacks. Kentucky didn't have JJ Weaver, which you know I think you know obviously that hurt. Yeah, but it, 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 Kentucky, you know, did play better as the game went along, and that's somewhat what happened last year against Tennessee. That you know, as bad as that that game was defensively, they were getting stops late in that game. Yeah, yeah, uh, and they had you know, and they had to play yesterday. Jacquez Jones got hurt. Uh, got hurt twice, got hurt, left, came back in, and he got hurt, and they didn't have him for the rest of the game. Uh, I think Tyrell Asian is still playing hurt, although he did play yesterday. As you mentioned there, with that, with that J.J. Weaver. Uh, so, yeah, that I thought, yeah, I thought overall that he, once they got settled down into the tempo, I think the defense kind of kept them in the game. Yeah, they def- the defense definitely kept them in the game the second half. And they weren't that far off playing really well in that game. Again, it gets back to all those long, you know, right. third and longs they gave up. If you know you stop half of those, you know, it's a different game. But one thing about a game like that, there's about a million ifs, this or that's that <laughs> would have changed the outcome. Right. The old ifing game, as Jerry Claiborne used to call it years ago. Uh, okay. Well, now let's switch over to the offense. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, the two fumbles at the end by Will Levis. What? Uh, well, let's go before that. Let's let's start out with a couple of bright spots. Then we'll get to. Well, we'll start out with the positive. We get to the negative. Obviously, having Chris Rodriguez back helped. Uh, what did you think of the way he played? I thought he played well. It, it definitely helped, and you know he does give you the ability to. You know, even he needs holes, and you would like to still like to see more of those. But he does. You know, he runs through tackles. He moves the pile, and I think you know. Teams are going to have to respect him a little more, which should help take some pressure off the the pass protection. If if you know they have to respect him and play action, you know I thought you know given that he hadn't played in a real game since January first, I thought he played played well. Yeah, I did too. Uh, did you think he got tired at the end? Uh, Mark Stoops alluded to that. Uh, I think you know, they went with Juton McLean there, uh, some there in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter. I think they thought maybe his legs were not quite, you know, that he wore down a little bit. Could you tell anything like that? No, not really. They, yeah. I, and I, they, there was there. They appeared to be speculating on TV while and why he was out of the game. I didn't have the sound up, but they they had a, a lot of camera time of him standing on the sideline, really? which would which suggest they were wondering where why he wasn't in the game. 
The other obvious bright spot was Barry and Brown, 85-yard kick return, a 54-yard kick return, and a 51-yard uh, wide, uh, wide receiver screen that he took 51 yards that put set up Kentucky there with under a minute to go. We'll talk about why they didn't succeed at, uh, here in a minute. But, uh, I mean, he continues to be a true freshman wide receiver out of Nashville. You know, a lot of times we hear about these guys, oh, this guy's got great speed. He's got unbelievable speed. Uh, you know, but then we never – we don't always see that you know come into fruition especially because sometimes these guys with great speed are not really football players they don't know how to run routes they don't know how to you know uh, do the things that football players have to do but that certainly doesn't seem to be the case with Brian Brown he he certainly looks like the real deal yeah he's very dynamic in a way they haven't had a lot of right and you know that that's a quality that you know, as they try to take the quote unquote next step from where they've gotten, which is they're, you know, a really good middle of the pack, you know, top of the middle of the pack, actually, SEC football program, as you're trying to, you know, take the very difficult step to get up to the level of the kind of SEC team that can win championships, you know, they've needed more dynamic playmaking. And Barry Ann Brown certainly appears to be supplying that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now the problems with the uh, the problems on offense, not being able to finish drive, not being able to score. Obviously, Will Levis's fumbles here at the end. Overall, how did you think Will played? Uh, I thought he had some good moments, and I'm sympathetic to him a little bit because the protection. He never, to me, he never really looks comfortable in the pocket because you just never know when it's going to break down. Right. But. You know, obviously those late turnovers were killers, and and you know I would surmise that the motion penalty that canceled out what would have been the go-ahead touchdown there in the the final moments was on the quarterback for you know letting allowing the ball to be snapped you know before the receiver in motion was set. So right. you know, Levis is a fifth-year college player, but he really hadn't played that much. I mean, you know. He, at Penn State, he was a situational runner mostly. I think he started there twice, and in one of those starts, he got pulled, so he wasn't going to be. So you know, he hadn't been in a lot of these you know late games you know deals where every little thing just you know matters a, a million times more than than normal. And if you look, you know, last year, you know, they did they didn't handle the chance to win the Tennessee game very well. You know, their 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 last drive was you know just kind of a meandering, took forever, and didn't didn't go very far. And then, you know, he, they did successfully, you know, do the, the two-minute offense, so to speak, to, to beat Iowa. But even there, there was a misread on what became the game-winning touchdown, and Rodriguez just ran through a tackle. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, I think he's still not, not always super polished in these late-game situations. And, you know, I think that showed itself a little bit yesterday, although I don't really blame him on the first fumble. Um, you know, it looked like that to me. I don't know why that wasn't a targeting call, to be honest, because it looked like the first guy who hit him came in helmet to helmet. And then, you know, Levis just sort of got up in the air and the other old Miss defender, the second guy came in, just made a really good play. Right. You know, the, the, the second fumble, you know, I thought the ball needed to get out of there. You know, it was first down. You know, if, you, if knowing your situation with your protection and it was first down, if it's not immediately open, just get rid of the ball. Right, right. Okay, back back to the first back. To, well, uh, 
back to, uh, you're, I mean, you're 100% right. It's been on the, the touchdown catch. Dan Key made a great catch. Uh, the play was wiped out by an illegal motion penalty. Obviously, that is on Will. Will's got to, uh, uh, in that situation, make sure that everybody said, as Rich Gangarello, the offensive coordinator, pointed out after the game, they had plenty of time. There was no reason to really rush there uh, on that play. Uh, but it, Will said they were trying to catch him off guard. They went a little quick. Yeah, I kind of got what I mean, you make an excellent point there about he's not, you know, he has a, how many times has he been in that situation? I can remember uh, Tim Couch went with Mummy. They went down to Arkansas. Uh, the game actually was in Little Rock, if I remember correctly, and they lost 27 20. Kentucky had the ball down at the uh, in the red zone. I might have had a first and goal. I can't remember exactly, but couldn't score and ended up losing 27 20. And I remember vividly after the game talking to Hal, the Mummy, and Mummy pointed out how many times has Tim been in that situation? Not very many because he hadn't made that many starts at that point in his college career. Uh, that's something you have to learn. And Will said after the game, you know, that's that one's on me. On the first fumble, on the targeting, I know, you know, uh, you know, I was at the game and on social media, people were pointing that out. It was hard to see in the press box, you know, the um, uh, the uh, TVs where they had the replays. We didn't really get too many replays. I will say it. that seems th- th- on running plays – you know, you you don't seem to see it, the targeting called as often uh, as you do on a pass play where there's a, you know, a receiver who's, you know, can't protect themselves uh, and a target hit. You know, I thought it could have been called. The replays I've seen, I've watched it a few times since then. You know, I think it could have been called. I'm not 100% surprised that it wasn't called just because that seems to be, you know, I mean, it's hard to know what is targeting and what's not targeting, I guess, is what it comes down to. Yeah, that, that's a valid question. It, it, it reminded me, again, it was a different kind of play. As you point out, it was a running play. But I think back to the end of the Kentucky-Florida game, and I guess it was 19 when the uh, Kentucky got called for a targeting, and I think it was T.J. Carter on a pass rush. Right. And Kyle Trust, you know, he was coming, Carter was coming in low, and Truss dropped his head at the last minute, so they, you know, it became helmet to helmet. But arguably, the offensive player caused it. But you know, Kentucky yeah. got that was kind of a tough targeting call. And and, and, and you know, I I agree with you. And one and on one regard in this, who knows what is a target targeting call and what isn't? But it, it you know, and I won't say that when I first saw the play, that was what stuck out to me. But after I've seen it a million times on Twitter, slowed down, right. it certainly appeared to be a helmet on helmet hit. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I go back to the Florida game this year where Levis got you know obliterated. Yeah, and you're right. He about had his helmet knocked off. Uh, he took it in the chin. How how was that not targeting? I you know I don't. Uh, I don't, you know, which makes me, you know, how do you know what is targeting and what's not? And I'm sure if you went back and did a lot of uh, data research on this, you'd probably find out that some some crews call targeting a lot and some don't call it hardly any at all. So I think it's left up to like a judgment call. On the second, on the second, yeah, he held the ball too long. He said after the game, <laughs> he said after the game, well, I think two things happened there. And he said after the game, they they had a double move. To, which to me is a little, you know, I'm not criticizing Rich Gangarello, but it, it, to me that's a little, you're taking a chance there by trying to run a double move considering, as you mentioned, their protection. I thought their protection was okay, but it certainly wasn't great during the game um, to run a double move down on the goal line in a confined space. 
that to me is a little questionable. The other thing is Jeremy Flax, the right tackle, had gotten hurt earlier in that drive. Uh, he either had cramps or a, a leg problem of some sort. He came out. They had to go with reserve tackle in that spot on the right side. He got pressure from the left, but the guy who knocked the ball out of his hands came from the right side, so I think that figured into it. But I think one thing, and, and believe me, I think Will – I can, I know why the pro scouts love Will. He's a big, strong kid. He's got great arm talent. You know, he shows great leadership abilities. He's about <laughs> from a trait standpoint, he's everything you want in a quarterback. But he's but he's not a finished product, as you point out. He hasn't had that many starts. He's got to he's got to have a little. To me, he's got to have a little better pocket awareness, and he's got to know when to throw the ball away. We haven't seen him like um, John Hale and I were talking about this after the game. We, you know, haven't really seen him like sail a ball into the second row when he knows he's got to get rid of it. Uh, you know, the safety he took down on the goal line. You just, yeah. Rich Scangarello said it after the game that that can't happen. You just can't. You just can't let that happen. Um, so, I, if there's an, any part of the improvement in his game, I think that's where you, where I'm sure Rich Scangarello and Willem Suffer looking at, at that pocket awareness and knowing when to get rid of the ball. Yeah, that I mean that obviously you know, is an area that, that, that needs improvement. And, you know, I think this is the second, the second time in his Kentucky career that he's gone two straight games without throwing an interception. But, you know, he somewhat negated that with the fumbles. Yeah. He made some good throws, especially on the next to last drive when they had some big situations. He made some really pinpoint throws that kept that drive alive. I thought he did some really good things in the game. He was 18 to 24, but as you said, that's all overshadowed. Uh, unfortunately, by the fumbles. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about uh, where Kentucky goes from here and also a, Mark, a story that Mark uh, did this week that I want to ask him about as well. Okay, back here with Mark's story of the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. Uh, before we get to uh, – well, I mean, let's look ahead. Got South Carolina on Saturday, Saturday night game, 7.30 game on the SEC Network, you did your early preview of South Carolina. What do you think Kentucky's mindset is going to be going into this game, coming off such a tough loss at Ole Miss? Well, you hope from the Kentucky perspective that they're angry and just want to take it out on somebody. You know, I think you have to be concerned a little bit about a hangover and coming in a little flat, especially against a team that they've beaten seven out of eight. Right. Um, this is a huge game for South Carolina. You go on their message boards back in the summer, and it's like this This is the circled game. This is the team we've got to beat to start our way back up. So, you know, in Kentucky, you know, they need to be aware that, you know, they're, they've it's a sign of program progression, but they're a big game for some teams now. You know, I think it's a huge game you know, coming up for Missouri. And right. you know, so, you know, they, they're, they're going to have to match intensity. So, you know, I, you hope from the Kentucky perspective that, they're just angry and looking to, you know, sort of take it out on somebody. What kind of start has South Carolina gotten off to? They are three and two. They're zero and two in the SEC. They have not played very well defensively in conference games. When they Arkansas put forty four points up on them and ran for two hundred and ninety five yards. And then the following week, Georgia hung forty eight on them, and they did it through the air. They threw for three hundred and thirty nine yards. You know, the thing that has gotten the most attention, uh, you know, for South Carolina, obviously, is the arrival of Spencer Rattler, the former Oklahoma quarterback. And, you know, he is more talented than what South Carolina has recently had at quarterback. I would probably say back to Connor Shaw. And he's completed, you know, all, just under 65% of his passes. And he's thrown for 
1,121 yards, but he has been interception prone. He's thrown seven picks. And, you know, South Carolina is minus six. They're 122nd in the country in turnover margin in UK, which was bad at that last year and is bad this year again at minus three. They're actually a little better than South Carolina. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, this is a big game for South Carolina. Uh, I can remember a few years ago when Kentucky was beating him down there and I was sitting next to a South Carolina writer, and he was saying, who, who shall go unnamed, uh, who said, you just can't lose to Kentucky. If you're South Carolina, you just can't lose to Kentucky. <laughs> so <laughs> that was before it became the streak became seven out of eight. But, yeah, I mean, South Carolina, they're Shane Beamer, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of enthusiasm around him. They had a pretty good year last year in Shane's first year. And they do want to climb up, and Kentucky's past them. Uh, and you're exactly right. Uh, Kentucky's got a target on their back as far as South Carolina is concerned. If they want to get back up to being, you know, a, a contender in the division and the conference, they have to they have to beat a team like Kentucky. Yeah, I remember watching or listening to the Paul Feinbaum show one day. It was like a Monday after a Kentucky-South Carolina game. And a South Carolina fan called in to proclaim that South Carolina should never lose to Kentucky in football. And Paul said, you, I would think you're used to it by now. <laughs> and what was the reaction to that? <laughs> the caller was, was exited the show. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it should be an interesting game. But I want to talk to you also about a story you did this week where, about Bo Allen, former Kentucky quarterback who transferred to Tarleton State. Uh, I encourage people to check out that column without giving the whole thing away. Just talk a little bit about that and what Bo has done down there. Well, Bo has played well. And I was, you know, when he transferred, I had touched base with the people at Tarleton and just told them, you know, let's play some games and see how it's going. And I would like to talk to Bo. And we made that happen. And you know, it's gone well. He, you know, they're three and one. Their only loss was at TCU, uh, which obviously is an FBS school, and Tarleton is an FCS school. And Bo's met the other former UK expatriate down there, Billy Gillespie, and says he's a really nice man. <laughs> and um, it's good to hear. <laughs> and you know, he's thrown the ball. You know, he's you know thrown a lot of touchdowns. When we spoke, he was the reigning Western Athletic Conference Offensive Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. And his completion percentage is a little lower than I would expect. It's about fifty-five percent, which for I think a bow is a very accurate passer. That's low, right. but he said they they throw a lot of deep balls. They run an offense where they you know do they take some go shots, and you know that you're, you're not going to have maybe quite as high a passing percentage as that. But you know I just you know, it was interesting to me. You know he reflected on why he made the decision to leave. Um, he said there was no you know final straw that nobody at UK did anything that precipitated. You know he just sort of had a moment of self-realization that he was unhappy not playing. He just wanted to play college football right. and not stand on the sideline and watch other people play college football. Right. And, you know, he that realization was arrived at very late in the summer, and it's kind of a miracle he was able to find a place where he could go and be the starter immediately. There may have been one of those schools in Division One. And he, he was fortunate enough to find it. Yeah. No, that's great. Great for Bo. And, uh, yeah, that certainly I think Kentucky fans should wish him the best. I mean, every kid who went, went going to college football, 
you know, they want to play. They want to be out there on the field and play. And he's uh, sounds like he's certainly taking advantage of, advantage of that opportunity. Uh, okay, anything else, Mark, that you that we should touch on, or you want to bring up before I let you go? Big win for former Kentucky assistant and Kentucky line, former Kentucky linebacker John Sumrall last night, leading Troy to a victory at Western Kentucky, which is not a super easy place to win. No. And, you know, if they'd knocked down that Appalachian State, uh, Hail Mary, they'd be 4-1 and one and be, you know, be a, a team a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, no, that's right. John's gotten off to a great start there. Yeah, that was a heartbreaking loss, obviously, to Appalachian State on that Hail Mary. But, uh, uh, yeah, you're right, a big win over Western uh, at Western. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, okay, Kentucky and South Carolina on Saturday. Uh, we got Mark Stoops' uh, weekly press conference on Monday. Mark and I will both be there. Follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check him out online at Kentucky.com and in the pages of the Lexington Herald Leader. Uh, look for Mark. Mark always has his matchups and his prediction at the end of the week, so be sure and look for that as well. And Mark, as always, really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to Mark Story. Read him in the Herald Leader. Read him online on Kentucky.com and follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. As I mentioned, Mark Stoops' press conference is on Monday afternoon. We'll have plenty of news coming out of that. Be sure and follow John Hale as well at John Hale, J-O-N-H-A-L-E underscore H-L. He'll have plenty of news from the press conference as well. It's Kentucky and South Carolina on Saturday, 7.30 on the SEC Network. We'll have plenty of coverage leading up to that game all week long. Again, thanks to Mark Story. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.